How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are locked on Lakers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Lakers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to Locked on Lakers. I am Anthony Irwin. I am joined again by Harrison for the second time tonight because the Skype recorder is the greatest. What, what was the app? Like, let's put let's put them on blast. Uh, the Skype recorder that I was using was MP3 Skype recorder 4.26. Yeah. So never, ever, ever use that because it will randomly delete your files and you will lose your interview with Kobe Carl and you will lose... What I thought was an excellent podcast that Anthony and I recorded earlier tonight on the Lakers shooting guards. and But don't worry, we're going to do it again. So uh, we're, we're good to go. Fortunately, we transcribe all of these things, so we're honestly just going to read back to you guys. Oh, man. <laughs> all right, that so, would be bad. That would be bad if we had to do that. So you can find all of our podcasts, and, except for those that Harrison forgets to record, on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break. And then today's show is uh, brought to you by SeatGeek. Make sure you're using the LO Lakers promo code. Uh, the Dodgers tonight played a game that they won in the ninth inning. They beat the Giants, which is always right. fun. So for those of you who use the promo code, to, to the LO Lakers promo code to get into the Dodgers game today, you got 20 extra dollars to do some celebrating after the game. For those who didn't, fortunately, it's a series. You get to go the you get to go see them uh, next game that you choose to go to. Use the promo code LO Lakers and you get a twenty dollars rebate. You're you're already listening to us in your car. All you have to do is just pull over. It'll take you five minutes on SeatGeek. You can you can buy your tickets using the promo code LO Lakers. Get your twenty dollars rebate, and then you could just reroute from whatever unimportant place you were going while listening to this <laughs> to a Dodgers game. And exactly. if you're going to an important place, then my apologies. That's cool for you. And if you're going to Dodger Stadium because the traffic on the way into the stadium stinks so bad, you could probably catch up on yesterday's show in which we talked about the point guard situation that the Lakers have. Today's show is going to be about the shooting guard situation that the Lakers have, which is highlighted by the lack thereof, right, of somebody that, that we've gotten pretty used to seeing suit up for the Lakers at shooting guard, Kobe is no longer there, and I I don't know I, I it's gonna be weird for me to not you know it's it's already kind of weird to preview the Lakers and not talk about what Kobe may or may not be able to bring to the table this year. Yeah, it's just it, it's like we've talked about before. Even if, <laughs> and I don't even just mean earlier tonight, but. <laughs> 
it, when it, when this didn't record thanks to MP3 Skype recorder. But <laughs> it, it's like even if Kobe was not good last year, which he wasn't, other than that last game, he he just he was not a good helpful player, and the Lakers basically would have been better with almost anyone playing those minutes at a normal kind of shot at a kind of a sensible shot distribution but it's a huge hole for the organization to fill just because he kind of was the you know he was the engine of the entire franchise for the last 20 years it's a you know if we had been doing this podcast back when i was five which don't get your five-year-old a podcast that's irresponsible they're going to regret that later in life but if we had been doing that we would have been talking about kobe since i was five years old every single year that was the shooting guard preview other than i guess last year when he started most of his games at small forward but you, you know that's ultimately that's semantics and it was Kobe in this slot, and now the Lakers have to move on. But it looks like they're, you know, they're they're kind of in at least a decent slot to do a spot to do so. Well, the the big thing is not only was Kobe bad, but the guy who was in charge of of setting, you know, the the system in place and doing all that. Who? That that one guy. Uh, man, I wish I could remember his name. That that'd be that'd be great. But uh, that one guy uh, kept relying on Kobe, right? Kobe had – not only was Kobe the top guy in terms of usage rate on the Lakers, but he was among the top usage rate guys in the entire league. Right? While also being one of the least effective. <laughs> right. That's the, that's, the, that's the point is that if you're going to have one of the least efficient and least effective players in the NBA, get – the you know be used at a higher rate than almost everybody else in the NBA it doesn't take a rocket science Ryan scientist to figure out why the Lakers were so terrible over the last few years right especially offensively and that's good because I don't think that Luke Walton got his degree in rocket science from Arizona so it's a good thing that they don't need a rocket scientist because I don't think they have one on staff so imagine Jesse Mermey's talking about rocket science oh man we, if we ever get him on the show we yeah jesse Murphy's talking about things other than basketball and just getting excited i think that's <laughs> all right uh Murmies, what, what do you have for our, our for the project today well you know bro there's this like gravitational pull between you and me even right now that's what's going on it's like when you see the rockets just blast off like that it's totally the coolest thing you've ever seen, bro. <laughs> bro. It would be the first time bro was ever used in a thesis. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. You, Apologies you talk... to Jesse Mermies for butchering his voice. I enjoy his accent. It's great. He's it, This whole coaching staff is so much more fun than prior ones. Highlighted by... Uh, just kidding. I didn't do it. Uh, so yes, the, the, we talked about Kobe's the the gap that he leaves off the court. We kind of touched on it on the court, and after the break, we're going to talk about the people who are tasked with trying to trying to fill that void. Something that we didn't talk about though in the earlier show that we recorded, you know, fifteen minutes ago, was the connection that was made, you know, with Kobe and the fans. Right yeah. where it was, it was Colt esque. When Kobe was playing well, it was a vibe that would obviously sweep throughout, sweep throughout the uh, the arena around Staples Center. 
But Twitter would just go insane, especially out here in, in Los Angeles, where it was just people would lose their minds over that kind of thing. And that level of excitement, I think that's what I think that's what I'm going to miss the most, uh, if not having Kobe on 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 the court regularly, at all. Yeah, there is no player I don't think in the NBA other than Jeremy Lin with a more devoted cult following. It's not even a cult for Kobe. It's like a it's like a company follow. I don't know. Like it's a gigantic group for him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, his fans are legion. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> did you see the thing? LeBron went to the Rams game. He's standing there on the sideline. People see him and they started chanting Kobe. I mean, yeah, I mean, I can speak to how dedicated his fans were because of, uh, you know, I mentioned a certain coach on our last podcast and had to send (laughs) a certain tweet reference to Kobe that people were not very happy with me about. So you can go to my timeline and try and guess which one that is. But, yeah, it was... you know, Kobe's fans are they're very dedicated and they they will get very angry at you if you disparage him. Yeah, I'm, I'm so I'm really glad I did that at the beginning of this podcast. Again, all due respect to Kobe, like uh, yeah. by any measure, one of my favorite athletes of all time. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm legitimately going to miss that connection because it, it was cool. Now, the, the flip side to that are the people who are going to be filling in for him, and we'll talk about them in a second. But the flip side of that is because there are so many young guys who the Lakers are going to be building around that you're going to have that connection potentially throughout the roster, and that's going to be fun. Uh, but before we get to more of that, we got to talk really quickly about SeatGeek. Uh, again, the easiest application you can use to buy tickets online and using your mobile device. Just tremendous stuff. I If you were at the Rams game, you saw the Rams beat the Seahawks somehow without scoring a touchdown, which is always fun. It's and also, not... if you were at the Rams game, good job chanting Kobe at LeBron. That's uh, That was pretty awesome. <laughs> Even better. And then if you, if you were at tonight's Dodgers game or last night's Dodgers game by the time you're listening to this, even better. And if you plan on going to the Dodgers games over the next couple of days while they're still playing the Giants, look, this is the last week. How crazy. I mean, you're not really that big of a Dodgers fan, but this is the last week Vince Scully or a Dodgers be... fan at all. All right. I mean, I was trying to help you out a little bit, but uh, the, this is Vince Scully's last week at Chavez Ravine. And I don't care if you're a Dodgers fan, not a Dodgers fan, whatever. It is really cool. Vin has his, you, you know, there's a Time Warner box in there. You can look up there and you can see him watching. And it's it's really cool to be able to, and you can see it from pretty much anywhere in the stadium other than right above and right below him. But and, everywhere else you can kind of see it. And it's really cool to, to take that in. And, and if you're going to do that, why not just make 20 bucks via... A, re- a redeemable uh, receipt, or what am I thinking? What's the word? I'm rebate. rebate, rebate, great read though, great read. But my my, to, you know, to be in the stadium, you have to get tickets, and to do that, I would use SeatGeek. It's like if I decide that I can tolerate being seen with Anthony in public later this week, then you know, I, I, my favorite thing about SeatGeek probably is the is not the deal score. I always call it the deal score, the mobile alerts that will let you know when tickets reach a when there are tickets available at a price that you say that you're willing to pay for an event. And so if I say like, 
you know, I- I'm willing to pay at maximum $40 to go and sit in a car with Anthony for like three hours and then like another three to four hours at a baseball game while he's just making puns and dad jokes the whole time. Then, you know, SeatGeek will let me know when there are tickets for $40. And so that's, you know, that's really handy for someone that's a student and a blogger and by definition as a combination of those two things, very poor and cheap. I, I don't see a single issue with what you just said regarding the experience of hanging out with me in public. That all sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. No, it was accurate. <laughs> uh, and so, again, use SeatGeek, use LO Lakers if you want to make your first ticketing purchase and you'll get that $20 rebate and just, you know, go do it. Go. I, I don't know what you're waiting for. Yeah, they have they have the, the, the value rater, the, the ticket rater. Uh, on there which is great they have the price alerts all that good stuff it's really cool and you don't need to print anything out which is which is even better so yes SeatGeek and thanks to SeatGeek for the support uh it's been really cool uh being partnered with them so moving on we have Jordan Clarkson was the first person that we are going to talk to uh regarding the Lakers shooting guard situation he is slated to be the starting shooting guard somehow already in his what third year yeah, third season. Wow. Uh, they grow, grow so fast, man. They they do. They really do. And uh, the big thing with, with Jordan Clarkson, I think offensively, I, I didn't really have many complaints about him on that side of the ball last year. But defensively, there were many, 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 many issues regarding Jordan Clarkson's defense. But, uh, and and we were going to talk to Pete about this tonight, uh, Lakers film room and a uh, quick shout out to Pete. He is a tremendous follow on Twitter. Make you make sure you follow him there at Laker film room, the best video breakdowns on the internet, but he was not able to come on the show tonight because uh, a kid that he coached uh, was involved in a shooting and, and is in the hospital. So I, we, I know Harrison and I are sending thoughts and prayers out to, to everybody in that uh, situation. I would hope that the listeners listening right now would do the same. Uh, send him a quick note to say, like, hey, our thoughts are with you. He's a really cool guy. He does great content. But One but again, of the, the nicest exactly. people I've met through Twitter easily. Just a nice, genuine person. We had, the, I, we had the fortune of meeting him in Vegas for Summer League over the summer. And then again, I saw him out there in LA the second time both times that we met up with him were uh, a lot of fun really nice guy and it sucks to see good things ha- or bad things happen to, to to really good people so shouts to Pete and he will be part of the show moving forward throughout the year so uh, look forward to hearing him he's incredible he's really really smart yeah and it's always hard to transition back to basketball after talking about something like that but the reason that uh, originally that I wanted to have Pete on tonight to talk specifically about the shooting guards was because he did an excellent video breakdown of Jordan Clarkson that everybody should just go to YouTube, uh, check out Laker Film Room and look at his most recent breakdown of Clarkson. And it, it got into his defense a little bit and he swayed me because I last year... I cracked on Clarkson all the time for his defense. And it turns out, you know, I I was kind of making fun of him for lack of effort. But when you really slow it, break it down, it's more of an issue of just terrible technique. He's it looks like he's really trying, 
but he's just not he's not defending effectively to steal Pete's analysis. He's uh, you know, he's hopping around out there rather than moving laterally. He's not as low as you'd like him to be. And it just leaves him prone to getting crossed up and to getting blown by. I think the big thing with with Clarkson was that growing up, you know, throughout his young playing career, he was such a better athlete than everybody else that he could just make up for mistakes in technique with that athleticism. And all that leads to, especially with, you know, not proper coaching, and nobody is going to uh, accuse the Lakers coaching staff over the last few years of being even decent at, 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 at the minor details. But... And, and, and some of it, too, has to do with if it's college coaching, if it's high school coaching, and then also discipline on the, on the part of the player, right? There, there's blame to go around. But, you know, with Clarkson, I think it's these the, – there are these habits that were put in place because of uh, this lack of discipline on everybody involved. And my one concern is with where Clarkson is in terms of age. He's, what, 23, 24 at this point? Uh, yeah. And at that age, it's kind of tough to, to teach, at this point, an, a fairly old dog new tricks. And it's crazy to think of 23, 24 years old as, you know, an old dog or whatever. But but those are, you know, it, basically the, the what my coach has always told me was it takes twice as long to you break. You suck, Irwin. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Why are you so fat? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> But it was basically, you know, some of the coaching that I got was if you have bad habits, it takes twice as long to to break and then reform good habits as it took to form those bad habits in the first place. So my my one concern, while Pete's analysis and your analysis make sense, is I'm a little skeptical at this point in his his career, his playing career, that he's he'll be able to turn that around. So here's my counterpoint. If you want to look at it from kind of the rosy side. Mm -hmm. Is that so like we talked about, it's his third year in the league. And so first year coming into the league, it didn't look like he was going to play a lot. He ends up getting thrust into the starting lineup for the second half of the year as the Lakers season just completely goes to hell. And they end up kind of finding out that he's a diamond in the rough. So that was a positive for them. But during that whole time, he wasn't really expected to be a lockdown defender. They were trying to get him adjusted to playing point guard as quickly as possible. And he was just really thrown into the fire. So you almost throw that year defensively out as a wash. And then this year he's coming in and he's spending his whole offseason working on learning a new position to play shooting guard because the Lakers drafted D'Angelo Russell and are bringing him in. And so, you know, he's adjusting to playing an entirely new position and maybe defense wasn't his primary focus while he was learning. And so this offseason, you kind of go into it and you think that he's going to try and address his weaknesses as a shooting guard. And the major one there is defense. And so he's talked about all summer that he wants to get better as a defender. And so ultimately, that's just lip service until we see it out on the court. But it sounds like they're kind of taking the right approach. And I think that those are reasons that you can hope that he's a little bit better in his third year. And if he can just get to league average, then the Lakers have a really solid player at shooting guard, I think, moving forward. And and well, I guess we'll just go ahead and let the let the conversation progress to, you know, where it was going anyway. But like you said, if he you know, is... would have just progressed if you didn't stop and make it. Well, it's kind of awkward. Like you still have to transition. <laughs> just, just messing with you. <laughs> with this, sorry, everybody. This it's got way more play. awkward because you went there. Yeah, Fair I'm enough. sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. That I just yelled into the microphone. But 
I forgive you. <laughs> so the uh, the Lakers themselves have spoken about the you know Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell as the their backcourt of the future. And like you said, if he is able to become league average, at least league average, and and if anything more than league average is like house money of house money of house money that you just it's it's basically walking into a million dollars you just found a million dollars on the street well for the washington wizards that's what they did when they sold the rights to jordan clarks and they walked into two million dollars they're like hey this stupid second round pick who needs these 46th <laughs> overall we got two million we can get a nice little backup for john wall somewhere you know and uh that i think i think that worked out well for them they ended up uh they definitely got a meeting with kevin durant this summer right no, I don't think they did. Oh, well, that's that's just a shame. The, the The funny thing is, if Clarkson progresses the way he has in Los Angeles, in Washington, and they make the playoffs, if and that team makes the playoffs, they probably get a meeting with Durant this time. But not making the playoffs? <laughs> so that was our new segment, Let's Laugh at the Washington Wizards for a mistake they made two years ago. Oh, man. That's going to be a recurring, a recurring one. Oh, absolutely. Anytime Clarkson plays well. Thanks, Washington. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So I'll go ahead and float the question out to you, and then maybe we'll have Mitch Kupchak chime in again. I don't know. We'll see. It worked well on the first show, but it, it, I don't want to force it this time. <laughs> but uh, do you think Jordan Clarkson could be the shooting guard of the future for, for the Lakers? I do, and even though now I know that you disagree with me, but I, I I think that you know you want to have as many ball handlers and as many guys that can make plays on the floor as possible. I, I think that it gives you some dynamism in your backcourt. So even if he's playing off ball, you know it, that's a dangerous option if he starts to become a little bit better of a shooter, which he showed early last year before he hurt his ankle. And so if the, he can keep that going this year and then just him having the threat, a at least the threat of a shot will give him a lot of opportunities as a secondary attacker with D'Angelo Russell kind of attacking off pick and rolls, collapsing the defense, kicking out to Clarkson. And then all of a sudden Clarkson is attacking a scrambled defense. And you can just that's kind of how I would envision them using him. Although I know you kind of have a little bit of a different stance on it. I don't know if I necessarily disagree that that he could be the shooting guard of the future. I, I, I just don't know if that's necessarily this groundbreaking statement, right? Because if you look at the shooting guard position in the NBA or in the National Basketball Association, as, as NFL guys like to say about the I National Football I think that's what, yeah, that, that's, it, that's how you show that you're a bat, like, you know, pardon my take. They talk all the time about football guys. Like, well, we're basketball guys, so mm -hmm. we call it the National Basketball Association. Yeah. That's how you show that you're really serious about the league and yeah. protecting the league. Yeah. So, in the National Basketball Association, I just don't see <laughs> shooting guards that just necessarily blow me away. Right. I, I see there are the really, really good ones. There are the James Hardens. There are the Paul Georges. There are the Clay Thompsons. And then from there, it's a whole bunch of that guy. You know, it's a whole bunch of, well, you know, I mean, I guess he technically starts, <laughs> you know. And uh, so because you're, of that. You're Chris Middleton, very good, but not anything that's going to blow you away type guy. Right. Like the, 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 the top tier is, is far and away better than the, the next tier down. And then after that tier, it just kind of becomes this mush of players. 
and because of that, I don't necessarily disagree with anybody who says that Jordan Clarkson could be the, the, the shooting guard of the future because there just aren't that many options out there without, you know, striking gold with, you know, somehow acquiring Paul George or somehow acquiring, you know, Clay Thompson, you know, whatever. Uh, so I, I could see him growing into that role, though I do wonder if he's best suited as a combo guard because of his, you know, at least, I guess, middling. Is that, that's not a good way to put it. But, but he's, he can create more than the average shooting guard can, right? He, yeah. He grew up as a point guard, so he has some point guard instincts. And uh, at being a combo guard, typically speaking, generally speaking, combo guards are best suited as six men. And my, my cat agrees again. Uh, but my I can't but, hear her. Don't worry. Oh, good. Well, she's screaming in my ear. <laughs> uh, but but combo guards, generally speaking, are are best suited in in bench roles because coming off of the bench and playing with second units gives more freedom to be creative than playing in a starting lineup with a lead guard who is going to have the ball a bunch. One would think uh, another scorer, which eventually we hope that that's Brandon Ingram, right? If if like you said a few minutes ago if he doesn't start eventually whoops you know yeah and and you know one would think oh with with julius randall in the starting lineup there just isn't very much time there's on a the lot basketball. of mouths to feed well it's not even mouths to feed it's 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 there's a lot of time on the ball that needs to be spent right like the wall yeah. dang is probably going to be a top three scorer on the lakers this year but he's going to do so with a lot of spot ups and maybe one or two dribble kind of moves Whereas Julius Randle is going to do so with a lot of ISO. D'Angelo Russell's going to do so with a lot of pick and roll, you know, and, and, and that makes it a little tough for, for Jordan Clarkson to fit in there and get his, the, the kind of time on the ball that, that one might hope. Yeah. I uh, know. I, I, I can absolutely see that. And if the Lakers are, it's like you said, it, it depends on what their options are, right? It's like, it's like that. I think it was a Chris Rock routine that you always uh, like quote. It's mm-hmm. like you're only as faithful as your options are, right? Yeah, exactly. So the Lakers are committed to Clarkson unless Paul George wants to sign and play shooting guard or something like you know, you know, or whoever it may be. Like the, the, it looks like right now that they're committed to him going forward as the starting shooting guard, but it, it you know, we'll see. Right, right. It's I mean, you could you could kind of see Cupcheck saying like. We feel good about our options that we have right now, but it's always nice to have options moving forward. And if you have the opportunity to sign somebody like a Paul George, who has the length and the defensive capabilities that maybe Jordan Clarkson doesn't have, then it's nice to be able to add that to the to the to the roster. But with all that said, we do feel comfortable about having two large guards for their position or for the point guard position to be able to make it work moving forward. Because he never says anything. He never really says much of anything, actually. No, he is the master of of talking for five minutes and saying absolutely nothing. Right. And I spoke for two minutes and I didn't say anything. Yeah, that was amazing. I, I got to, again, uh, for the second time tonight, give you props on that impression. That I is, gotta, uh, 
Unbelievable. I can, I can only do that about once a week, though, because that is terrible on my throat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, I use a lot of lozenges normally <laughs> to make it feel okay. <laughs> I just pictured. I just pictured Mitch Kupchak screaming Ricola. Ricola. <laughs> shit. Oh man. Damn it! There goes the. There it goes. All right. <clears throat> I don't know how Frank Caliendo sticks with it with character the way he does. Yeah, it's hard. All right, moving on. So we have Lou Williams is up next on the depth chart, and he, while he had the season he had, and we'll kind of really quickly touch on it because we're a little further in the show than we were last time that you said, but I thought the really good point that you made was how Lou Williams' season last year mirrored the season that he had the year he won six man it's just he was surrounded by such a pit of fecal matter that he it just that the narrative was not as positive yeah i i think six man of the year is pretty much a dumb award and it basically just goes to the, either the guy who had like they they you know the national writers are scrolling through and they see like here's this guy he comes off the bench he had the most points of anybody coming off the bench and there you go or it's like a narrative based award so like i i just want to put it out there that i think the only justified six man of the year winner is lamar odom 100 percent better than any other bench option that year uh but other than him like just dumb award i, I don't think there's really a point in yeah, it's, it's it's kind of annoying that the award goes to, you know, all right, who scored the most points? It's like, the yeah, year? it's like the, the award went to Jamal Crawford last year. Jamal Crawford was not a good NBA player last year. Lou Williams was better than Jamal Crawford last year. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, so, But he right. played for the second worst team in the league. So, you know, can't count the narratives. Well, I mean, the second worst team in the league went to one fewer rounds in the playoffs. Shouts to the Clippers being the Clippers. <laughs> So, uh, all right. So, but all right, this year I actually have higher hopes for Lou Williams because I think he'll be doing more of the stuff that makes him Lou Williams last year being asked to be creative and being asked to, to, you know, get other people involved. That's not what he's good at. He is not a point guard. He might be a point guard size, but he is not a point guard. Uh, well, year, hold on. There, there are reports coming out, you know, during the off season that Lou Williams. I, I think this has probably been a report from a local writer. Probably every single year that Lou Williams has been a notable NBA player. But Lou Williams' playmaking instincts looking a little better uh, this off season. So I don't know. Maybe backup point guard. Maybe we're talking about him on the wrong show. There. As we go along in this show, and as we do this longer, we're going to start getting reports of like. Anthony Irwin promises to give, to do less puns. It's yeah, going like, to be like... <laughs> like sources, Anthony Irwin is committed to not, not making awful. Harrison do all the production. <laughs> well, I will be for sure from now on, considering production keeps not recording the show. Yeah. Um, that was a low blow of the fair. <laughs> 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 But yeah, I I do think it's I think we can expect a, a better season from Lou. He'll be doing a lot more, you know, spotting up, and I think he can he can produce in in a spot up role, and in those situations where he's required to handle an isolation situation, he will be doing so in more space because of the system he'll be playing in. So look for Lou Williams not necessarily to have a resurgence. I don't think it'll be noticeable 
enough to... But I don't even know that he'll score as many points as he did last year. Like, right. And so people will think that he was worse this year. But yeah. he might actually be better with less kind of box score stats. I would just hope that, you know, people look at it a little bit more intelligently than that. But but sure. It depends I mean... on the people. <laughs> uh the next guy, though, you know, Lou Williams posturing and, and trying to figure out what Lou Williams might be able to bring to the table. At least you have a role to work with. Nick Young does not. Well, and, he will for a CBA team. Yeah, I mean, if then, but if, if that. Yeah, so we'll do, like, locked on uh, Guangdong Chi- Tigers. Yeah, yeah the, the Flying Tigers. Or yeah. uh, I think Shanghai Sharks is another team. I thought they were the Knights. I thought. Mm. We'll we'll no, cut this. I forget. All right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, Nick Young. I don't think we don't need to spend very much more than. Actually, you know what? Let's make this a five second segment. Will Nick Young be on the Lakers roster when the season starts? Highly unlikely. I, I, all right. I should have said yes or no question. Yes, uh, you have to bet no. one way or another. No. No. Why is he still on the roster? I think they're giving they're trying I, I think part of it I, and this is just pure speculation could be maintaining agent relationships and saying like look we're going to give him a fair shot to make the roster and carve out a role for himself in training camp. I think that uh you know if that's something that's meaningful to Nick maybe then that's why they're doing it. Uh I don't know but I or maybe they just they're hesitant to eat the contract money even though because it's not insignificant you know, to just pay a guy to go away. They, they do it and reduce the cap hit, but ultimately maybe they don't want to pay him to not play for their team. Who's Nick Young's agent? Like, is he anybody important? Uh, I can look it up. I, th- I think it's Palenka. He has Kobe's agent? I believe so. I can, uh, you, you just talk and I'll I'll figure this out. Well, what I, The reason I'm asking is like, do the Lakers need to, to, to do favors for agents that badly that, you know, they're... Uh, every team does favor. I mean, we're getting into uncomfortable territory now, but, like, every team, No, I get you know, that. Does. I get that. I, get, I understand, like, giving, you know, letting an agent float out there that the Lakers are interested. Like, they do that for everybody. But... Well, that's not even up to the Lakers. That's just, like... Right, but the Lakers could always come out and say, like, nah, actually, we're not interested in him. Nope, we're not interested in him either, you know? It's but, Mark Bartlestein, who's also a big name. All right, so I, I just don't I don't see a situation in which like the Lakers would would promise that to an agent because like as it stands they they have they have one too many players right. Uh, right now they have sixteen contracts with guaranteed money on them. Yes, right. So you have you have one too many contracts, and Nick Young with the background that went on last year. Uh, you know, with with whatever went on last year with him and, and D'Angelo Russell, you don't, I don't, you don't want that around a young team uh, that that might be impressionable. I remember at one point last year, Jordan Clarkson and D'Angelo Russell were asked for, you know, what would be your pair of nicknames, and didn't they say like the Swag Bros? You know, yeah, and that had a lot to do with you know hanging around a bunch with Nick Young, and we saw how that played out. And, uh, you know, and, and it's it's nothing necessarily personal against Nick Young. I don't know the guy. I don't, you know, I'm just saying from, from the standpoint of building a roster and trying to advance young players' careers, I don't think you want somebody like Nick Young around. And I mean, 
Uh, yeah, I, I think ultimately you just eat the tiny cap hit, you stretch him, and uh, you just deal with that. Do you think they stretch him, or do you think there's any way they work out a buyout this year? Why would he take less money? I mean, same kind of reason that like Mike maybe maybe that does he buyout. does he want to leave L.A. that badly? No, I don't. I don't think I see a buyout. Hmm. Because oh. all like this is his last NBA contract, so. Man, it's crazy how far he fell. Because I do think, yeah. like, if if I were, you know, if I was like a team like the Spurs, and I really, really, really believe in in the culture that surrounds him, that that maybe they can turn him around. Because you can't tell me he isn't talented. Oh, he's a, he's a hundred percent talented. I I think that he he's was a complete used about head. Yeah, as he was also used the last two years about as poorly as he could be used, mm-hmm. and so I I think. You know, there's a chance he could maybe be useful to some team. It's a, I just don't think any team's going to be willing to deal with the baggage. And, and he's been really bad the last two years. So, I mean, maybe if he was willing to take a camp invite from someone, but that, that time has passed. So I think, you know, maybe next summer, but ultimately I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to be in the NBA this year. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't disagree in that you know, like that, Lance Stevenson, by any measure, has been has has a, a way better track record as a player than Nick Young, and he? yeah, he was really good for Indiana. Yeah, but he was also credited with Indiana's fall. Like no, there were a lot, there were a lot of whispers. Gone. He there was were, gone. There was there were a lot of whispers coming out of that locker room that he was. You know, yeah, stat, he's difficult. Yeah, he's, he's difficult. Yeah, of course, and he's difficult to deal with. But he was really good for Indiana. Like he, he's yeah, he's better than that's but not they, controversial. They, they dealt, he's better than Nick Young. I, I'm not saying he's not better than Nick Young. I'm saying I'm I'm saying because there were like I said there were a lot of whispers, and maybe my timeline is wrong is off on this, but I'm pretty sure they were whispers coming from that locker room that because Indiana kind of fell off a cliff that year. And he was credited with tanking, not tanking, but but taking a blowtorch to the chemistry in that locker room. I don't know that I'd go that far. He, they, there was definitely a, like a unsor- a unnamed, you know, sources, allegations of stat hunting, and I think that kind of stuff was pretty obvious. He was in a contract year as a second round pick, like that. That was clear. But I, I think. Yeah, no, he has a way better NBA track record than Nick Young, and it, it, he basically had to take a camp invite from the Pelicans. Yeah, yeah, that's. <laughs> and I, I, mean, I don't. This gives us an uh, uh, an excuse to talk about the, the Clipper story that we talked on last show, or well, no, it wasn't last show; it was tonight in an earlier recording of the show. But basically, long story short, he and this was a Dan Woiken, uh Woiken. story. Woiki. Woiki. Woiki show. Who am I mixing him with? Wolken? Is there a Wolken? I don't know. Yeah. But there's but Dan Woiki in some of the best beat reporting in the history of beat reporting said that there was a scenario in which Lance Stevenson had his car stuck in the gate trying to get into the Clippers practice facility. As like a figurative thing of like he wasn't l- allowed like, you know, on the court and he basically was like locked out. He was kept out of the facility. Yeah, it's like so, the perfect metaphor just sent down from the metaphor gods. And while we don't really we don't hope for any damage to personal property with Nick Young, if there's a funny story to come out of his, you know, from his release, I then guarantee that's a you bit of fun. every. I, here's a guarantee I'm willing to make: 
if Nick Young, if and most likely when Nick Young is not on the roster this year and all the stories are written about his exit, every single beat reporter is going to have a different amusing anecdote to lead in about to their Nick Young is no longer with the Lakers story. Yeah, he's great for a quote. That's for yeah. sure. Great for a quote. Great for a story. All right. The last player and I'll let you I'll let you uh, start the conversation here with Brandon Ingram. Uh, but he's the last guy who we think might get minutes at at the shooting guard spot, and you're saying it's more from a preservation standpoint. Yeah, my my thing is like, I, you know, I know we all like to kind of make fun of PJ Carlesimo for playing Kevin Durant at shooting guard, uh, you know, during his rookie year, and uh, but I think that I could see Ingram playing minutes there just because I think it's a very like, for lack of a better term, coachy thing to do where you play a guy down a position just to reduce the wear and tear on them. You still get the minutes, but they aren't getting as physically pounded, especially for someone with Ingram who still needs to kind of adjust to that. That was something that Luke Walton was just talking to Mark Medina about today, not about playing him at shooting guard, but just about the wear and tear and him having to prepare for that. So I think minutes at shooting guard could be a way to kind of lessen that physical toll. And, and it also it it kind of eases that log jam of like you know Luol Deng's still a really good player and he's going to need some minutes on the wing, and so it allows you to get Brandon Ingram out there at the same time as him at times. I don't know why, but it's somehow just hitting me that Luol Deng is on the Lakers, and it's it's funny how it came. Well, here's why. Here's why. Because this whole story has come full circle when you consider Kobe wouldn't go to the Chicago Bulls because. He didn't want to get traded to the Bulls without Luol Deng being on the Bulls, right? Now Kobe is gone, and now Luol Deng is a Laker. I just maybe they can play rec league together someday. Yeah, it's a it's a funny little twist in that. I don't know why that that just struck me, but that just struck me. Uh, but yeah, I I guess my thing with with Ingram and like we're talking about you know fifteen games maybe with about five or six minutes a piece in, in any of those games in which he plays shooting guard. So it's not really that big. It, this is more hypothetical than anything. Uh, but for, uh, for what he might bring to the position, I worry about the foot speed and I worry about the foot speed offensively and defensively from, from the standpoint of can he get around guys who play small forward consistently enough shooting guard. To, Dang it, I did it again. Two recordings, and I still can't get the dang positions right. Positionless uh, basketball, everybody. Yeah, but can he get around people uh, who play defense You know, at the shooting guard spot consistently enough to make it work? But I guess the counter to my counter is the Lakers aren't interested in winning games anyway, so getting guys through, you know, through the season and getting them as many looks as they, as they possibly can should be the priority, and that would be, you know, those are the two reasons why he would be playing there at the two. And to move Jordan Clarkson into that combo guard role that we talked about a little bit. And I, I do think that while he won't be able to necessarily get around shooting guards, that won't be necessary when he can shoot over them like they're chairs because of his wingspan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, maybe he can get some tips from E on the best strategy for shooting over chairs. But even then, like, that was... For 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 Kobe, right? When Kobe was coming up, the he could shoot over guys because he just jumped higher than everybody. He he had a really good vertical to go with a high release 
from the mid-range. And early in his career, we thought, hey, yeah, that's a great shot. But later in his career, we started to learn, yeah, that mid-range pull-up wasn't the greatest shot. So if the one advantage that Brandon Ingram has at the position is an inefficient shot, that's probably not ideal. Yeah, maybe it's breeding bad habits. I can see that. Mm -hmm. All right, so that'll do it for the uh, shooting guard discussion today. If you missed the point guard discussion that we had yesterday, make sure you, you tune into that. And, and you, know, you can – I'm sorry, just real quick, but uh, the across, this is a hole across the entire Locked On network. Yeah, so if you're point. curious about any other teams and their point guard, shooting guard, whatever position situation, we're doing team-by-team, position-by-position position position previews each day this week across the network. So, like, if you wanted to hear about uh, just, like, the Clippers shooting guard situation of doom or something like you can go to uh, locked on Clippers and check that out. Well, for example, JJ Redick, I believe is a free agent next year, right? Yeah. So if you want to hear in-depth analysis about JJ Redick and how he, you know, they aren't going to talk about how he's going to fit on the Lakers, but what he brings to the table, there you go. And, <laughs> and, and also DJ Foster is really good on podcasts. So, yep. He's awesome. All right, uh, that'll do it again. That'll do it for, for today's show. Make sure you tune in uh, the rest of the week as we, we crank out these these position-by-position position, uh, previews. If you miss tomorrow, any of them. Tomorrow should be a fun one, Brandon Ingram versus Lou Aldang. So that, that'll be a really good one. We'll get more into that debate. You know what's kind of cool is that in or, we aren't even going to debate it. We are actually – Brandon Ingram and Lou Waldang are going to show up at my house, and they're just going to play one-on-one, and that's how they're going to decide. Hold on. That's – we're going to we're gonna have to cut that too. That's false advertising, so. Oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, where can we find the show if we want to listen to it? You can find it on Audio Boom, iTunes, Silver Screen and Roll, TuneIn, Stitcher, Today's Fast Break. Today's show is brought to you by SeatGeek. Make sure you're using the promo code LOLAKERS. And uh, just just use SeatGeek all the time. Like they're just a really cool pr- product. Be a good friend. Tell your friends. Save them money too. Yeah, I, that's what we're here for. Uh, thanks very much, Harrison, for recording two shows tonight. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Well, actually, I think technically we only recorded one, but you're welcome. <laughs> oh yeah, we talked for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll talk to everybody soon. Shout out to Eddie Jones.